Private Lender Podcast, Episode 91. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Edmund Burke, who said, If we command our wealth, we shall be rich and free. If our wealth commands us, we are poor indeed. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello and greetings from the energy capital of the world and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on being a successful private lender and building wealth without banks or Wall Street, then you're in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can avoid them and not repeat them, then pull up a chair and pour yourself a drink, my friend, because uh, this podcast is for you. Like this uh, episode number 91 today, almost up to 100, getting excited about that. But one of the things that I get asked a lot is, uh, how do I choose attorneys to do either my foreclosures or my document drafts or draft the documents, I should say. And fortunately, only one foreclosure and just went with the recommendation of a friend. But when it comes to having attorneys draft my documents, I like to have a, a slate or a panel of them and figured I'd go through that with you guys today and share, hopefully share some insight into the, how, you know, my process for doing that. So in being a private lender, I want to mitigate as much risk and stay as secure as possible. And so that's what I want to convey over to you. And if you're, especially if you're starting out, I would not recommend, even if it's your home state, I would not recommend lending in a state that had a lengthy judicial foreclosure process, low usury rates. Uh, that's, that's kind of a given. I, hope we, I guess we could dig a little more into that, but you don't, want to, you don't want to lend in a state where there's a redemption period after foreclosure, uh, where the borrower can come back and make everything whole again and, and get the, the note going. The odds, if they can't do it the first time, they're probably not going to be able, even if they reinstated the odds are, they're probably not going to do it the second time. So that's the reason I, I would suggest staying away from redemption period states and also stay away from states that heavily favor the borrower, or at least they, uh, they have a very lengthy process and they give the borrower a lot of time to make amends or do whatever they can to, to keep the, the note going. Instances like New York, they have a very long foreclosure lengthy process. It could take a couple of years to get somebody out and get, to get your to get the collateral back to you. So not to pick on New York, but that is just one example of a state that I won't lend to or lend in, I should say. You know, my preference is, uh, if you're listening, is to lend in a state whose laws are either the same or similar to Texas. It's, I know it varies state to state, but what that basically means is non you want a state that has non-judicial foreclosures no redemption periods after the foreclosure is complete. And that's actually one good thing about New York. They don't have a redemption period, but it, you know, they might as well if it can take two years, to, two to three years to get people out. So you also, okay, oh, so a short uh, default, relatively short default period, 90 days, uh, which I believe is um, actually that's a federal law, not a state law. I believe, that, I believe that's federal. I'd have to go do a little research on that, but I do believe the 90 day default period is, is federal, but the acceleration notice period. In Texas is relatively short, 21 days from the time you file until the, the auction on the first Tuesday every month. That's how quick it can go down. Once the 90 days has been documented, defaulted, the notice accelerates, gone out, and all that fun stuff is gone, then boom, 21 days from the time you notice the borrower until when you can get the house back or get your collateral back. So 
Those are the states that I recommend you lend in, do your own due diligence. As always, that's the biggest caveat. There are 50 states. I only deal with the laws of one of those. So that leaves 49 out there, <laughs> 50, at least 51 states out there that I don't, I don't know the laws. So anyhow, bad joke, I know. All right. So the eight questions and the, the things you want to consider when you're, when you're adding or looking for an attorney, especially for doc prep, man, this is really where the rubber meets the road. Because if your documents aren't right, then it can cause a lot of headaches and it can expose you uh, rather than protect you. So not, it's not to, to get a, use as a fear tactic, but it's, that's why I always insist that I use my attorney or my attorneys will draft the documents the borrower will pay for it. And, and I give, give them options of very, you know, the various attorneys that I like right now. There's only, I'm, only, I'm, I'm down to two. But, you know, give options. This is who I'd like. Of course, they always want to use the title company attorney, which I have done before. You can use the title company's attorney to draft documents, and they're usually the cheapest, but that's, you get what you pay for. And that attorney is not, or I should say, you're, you are not the attorney's client. The attorney's client is the title company. So you want somebody drafting documents for you or your IRA or your wife's IRA and with the, their best interest at heart. So here we get uh, we get down to it. When you're looking for one of those lawyers to uh, one of those lawyers, listen to me. I'm already sounding a little derogatory. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Anyway, number one, I want to know how long that attorney's been practicing law in general. And I like to see a lot of gray hair. I guess I'm I'm being an ageist or a, some ist with that, but I like to see someone who's got a lot of experience and has done a lot of the work that I'm going to be paying them to do. The other thing I like to see, well, I don't necessarily like to see, but one of the things that you can ask is if they are board certified with the uh, legal, legal specialization in uh, bar in their state. So to speak uh, in Texas terms, roughly 10% of all attorneys are board certified of legal specialization. According to their website, there's 256 board certified residential real estate attorneys. And you can check your state government, your state bar to get information on where you are. But I bring this up because it is a, it's a good way to to vet attorneys. However, I've, I've never used an attorney that was specialized by the board, certified by the board. So that might be a little project that I, I go to work on is, is look into this because in one way, it, it is a way that you're getting good quality attorney. The other way is it's okay. They've paid the work. They've, you know, they have to do X. They have to do so many hours of continuing education every year and have to pass an exam. So much of their work has to be, you know, the majority of their work, over 30% of their work has to be, I believe 30 or 40% has to be specifically real estate related or whatever specialization they're, they're going for. So only 256 in the whole state. I might, that's another episode. I'll look into that. But that's where a place you can start. Check your local bar, your local state. Also, number three, how, I don't know how many deeds of trust that they have drafted. And uh, I want to know how many they've done in the last week, in the last month, in the last year. This will give, hopefully give you a better level of uh, assurance that they, they work in this area of drafting trust documents and notes. So, you know, the idea is to give you a really broad example, paint with a very wide brush. You don't want to use the attorney that set up your LLC, handles your uncle's divorce, and once you're writing your, your deed of trust and your, your promissory note, unless he's darn good at promissory notes and real estate. But you know, careful the jack of all trades. That's um, that's my advice. Just consider that. So, the follow up question to that would be: What percentage of their work is note related or deed of trust related, which goes back into sort of the, the board of legal specialization? But find out, ask them how much they how much they do, how much of that work is is constant, and how much they do, and how much do the paralegals do? 
you know, how is that work divvied? Obviously, the lawyer is going to sign off on it, but someone's probably most likely a cheaper laborer is going to do the work up front. So that is uh, one question that I like to ask them. Another question I like to ask is, have any of their deed of trust mortgages uh, been found unenforceable in court? And if they have, why? And my understanding is that attorneys are bound by strict code. And so if you ask them specifically, if they've had an unenforceable document, they have to tell you the truth. You can go back and look and see. You can always do a quick legal check and see if your attorney's name has ever showed up in a, uh, a filing or a motion or uh, somebody getting sued to try to get out of a foreclosure, essentially. So that's why I bring that up is if they have been, and if, and if, they, if they tell you, yeah, okay, what, what happened? Well, the, you know, the, the dates got crossed or times that's it, or there's, there's a typo. There's, there's some technical issue, some typo, some, something in the grammar or something in the, the information provided that null, will make that document null and void, especially if it's signed the day before the debt existed. And there's a, a new uh, case out of one of the Carolinas where they found that the, uh, I believe it was the deed of trust mentioned the debt that was created, but the debt wasn't funded or until the next day. I might do a case study on that and find out how they, they were able to get uh, the null and void the, the contract and stop the foreclosure. So I'll get in, I'll get, I'll get that. Um, I'll look into that. I'll have to put that, uh, put that down. So uh, I'll say how many have been unenforceable. Also, I'd like to know what their policy for errors are, both my errors and their errors. I've had an attorney when I still use, I gave, uh, gave him the information. The, the documents came back. They had errors. Raised the question. They went back to the information I provided. Said, yep, boom, no problem, no charge. Here you go. That's the way it should be. That's the way I recommend you work with, with other people. If it's my mistake, I, I don't have a problem. If I give somebody bogus information, even if it's you know the best available legal description at the time that we have, but it's, it's going to change, you got to know that if, if it's wrong, it's going to cost you a set fee, rightfully so, that you provide bad information. That's what you're going to get. And if it's got to be corrected, it's not the attorney's fault. So that's what uh, I would uh, I would ask them for their policy on their errors and their and the costs. What's it going to be? Then also ask them if they, they can represent you in a foreclosure on that particular loan or that document that they are drafting. Now, not always, but if they do, then they always have a copy or they should have a copy of the originals so that they would be able to file in a in a foreclosure setting. But sometimes they're not willing to travel so far. And I, like I said, I just, uh, I lend in different counties down here in Southeast Texas. And I know some attorneys who won't leave Harris where Houston is at all. They, they will not go outside of it. I, I an attorney for a foreclosure and he was extremely reasonable at, um, I believe he lives in San Antonio. And so anyway, money well, well spent and always good to have a panel that way when you give somebody the loan documents or say, okay, I'm going to loan to you, give them three, two or three choices of, of which attorneys they want to use and show them that this guy charges this much, so on and so forth. And it's going to be specific what type of loan it's going to be. If it's just a straight flip or maybe if it's an owner finance deal that requires something else a little different, but you want, you want to find out what they can do, where they're willing to go and give them, give your, your borrowers options by having a panel. And then I, when I get into the documents, I keep that panel on the front page so that I, if there is a problem, I know, I know who drafted the, the documents and I know who I can call to, to process a foreclosure. And number eight and the final is, this one's a no-brainer, and it, it just, this ought to be yes immediately out of every, every attorney's mouth. But you ask them, can you provide me with your document request prep sheet? And they'll be glad to do it because it's going to be probably a Word document that's going to ask for the borrower's name, legal entity, 
all the all the the the, the T's and I's of the, the borrower, the, the lender, the property in question that's being held as collateral. Yeah, provide the document preparation sheet, and that's going to have everything that they need in order to make your documents for your loan. Make sure you fill it out correctly and completely, because that is, uh, you know, like in my case when there was a, a typo, it was it was easily I could prove that it was not, it's not mine, so I didn't get charged for it. If I can't prove that it's mine, then the odds are I'm going to get charged for it. So any reputable attorney, no problem, they'll do that. But I say any reputable attorney, like I've, <laughs> it should be the case, and it most likely is. But I digress again. It's another, it's another day for the squirrel. But get, get that loan doc prep sheet, and then what you can do is hand it over to the borrower and say, okay, look, you want the loan? This is, what, this is the information that I'm going to need from you. And they, have, they, they know exactly what the attorneys are going to be dealing with up front, what type of personal information they're going to have. And if they want anything stricken from the recorded record, that's you know social security number like that. Those are rarely ever included in documents, but driver's license number, social security, you know, very very personal information they can remove before it's it's recorded at the county level. My understanding in Texas, anyway, I don't know. I assume it's most it's like that with the, a lot of the states across the land. So this is why I like private lending. It seems very cumbersome and 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 a lot of work up front, but the borrower pays all these law, these legal fees. If I need an inspection, they're going to pay. The borrower is going to pay that. They're going to pay for the appraisal, which I don't usually do an inspection, but I always, you know, I I either do my own appraisal myself or I I have somebody perform it. If if I'm un, I'm uncomfortable with the property, I always get a, an appraisal, and the borrower pays for it. They pay for the lawyer doc preps, and even my IRA custodian fees. And you want to make sure your attorney puts that into the note and and the documents that the borrower is going to be responsible for everything. And there, you know, here's the interest rate. Yada yada yada. It's my money, my terms. Uh, that's my new hashtag. I'm gonna start trying to pump it out. I might even try to get like one of those uh, hip hop hooks made. You know, we'll see. Uh, see how much money they got, and see if Santa's uh, how, how much they require, and see if Santa's good to me this year. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I will have a, a nice little hip hop hook. But anyway, that's it for now. This episode is gonna come out hopefully a day or two before New Year's, January 30th, and it will, this will be marking the end of the second year of the podcast. And I would love to ask you, I am going to ask you, and I'd love if you could help me get the word out and increase awareness for this show by sharing or forwarding uh, or even direct messaging this episode to someone who you think could benefit or someone who you believe may be interested in becoming a private lender for one of your deals. It's great to have third-party advice and education that doesn't come from you when you're using someone else's money, just another way you could help build trust. So please connect with me at Facebook uh, slash uh, it's Captain C A P N period Baker or over at Instagram at Private Lender Podcast, Twitter's Private Lender Podcast, and I'm also getting on TikTok. So I'm completely embarrassing my my daughters with it, and it's it's been great. I'm, I'm learning it. It's a different type of social media, but it's it's been great. So I'll, that's going to be coming up. Maybe even Snapchat. Who knows? But I'll get back to you guys on that. But please do connect with me on social media, and always please. Leave me an honest rating and review over at iTunes and Google Podcast. It's the best thing you can do to help me out to get that stuff uh, running out there and getting getting some more awareness for the show. It has been two years. I like to see the numbers uh, starting to you know creep up, and not so much the cost to, to produce this thing, but like to get some start getting some uh, some headway. So anyway, I want to wish you guys a happy New Year, happy holidays, and as always, I wish you safe and prosperous private lending. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time. And the only thing else I got to say is...